Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. This is Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, Bob Huggins. I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham is spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, Big Meach 41 And now, I can officially say this, on season two, I am now on TikTok, at Alex Meacham 41 This is a special edition of the podcast, my interview series with a very special guest. The Bearcat Basketball Podcast is now presented by Healthcare Management Group. Shout out to everyone at HCMG, and thank you for the support. Bearcat fans, I'm excited to bring in my next guest. He is currently a staff writer and editor for The Athletic, covering the Cincinnati Bearcats. He is a recurring guest on the Bearcat Basketball Podcast, and, and really fans just love to hear his insight. And whenever I have him on, we always have great numbers. So I'd like to welcome in. My guy, Justin Williams. What's going on, Justin? Not much. What's up, Meach? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. And I know you're busy, you know, writing for football and basketball at the same time. And I asked you this question the other day, um, and I'd like for you to kind of talk about it on the podcast so the fans get to hear, hear this. You know, we're in hoop season right now, but it seems that there's so much movement with football that you're super busy writing football and basketball at the same time. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's always that way, especially, you know, it's it's not as crazy as under normal circumstances, that kind of like October to through December stretch, that's always a little bit of a grind because you got both seasons going at the same time. But yeah, you know, kind of this stretch between end of the season and spring football, that there's always enough football news going on, whether it's, you know, coaching changes or recruiting or, or, or anything like that. So I'm always trying to keep, you know, an eye on both camps, especially this season, you know, partly because it hasn't been the the greatest basketball season um, the Bearcats have ever had, but it was a really good football <laughs> season. So, you know, you want right. to, you want to go where, where, you know, the, some of the interest is sometimes. So definitely don't want to, sure. you know, move away from football when, when they have a lot, a lot of positive momentum going on, but it's also just different right now because, you know, normally I'd be traveling some with basketball and you know, there'd be a little bit more, you know, in-person availability and, and stuff like that. And you know, obviously there's not any of that right now. So um trying to use that at least to my advantage a little bit and, and maybe get a little extra football stuff in that normally I wouldn't have time to. So, so how is that with not traveling and having to do those things in terms of, you know, writing, has it helped you at all? Have you just taken a different approach? I mean, I don't think it's helped at all for, for me personally, just because I feel like I'm a very, um, or at least I try to be a, a visual writer, like try and get scenes from wherever I'm at, um, you know, and, and that's been tough. I, you know, we can still go to the, the home games, um, football and basketball, but even that access is, is limited. You don't, you know, get uh, as much interaction with players and coaches before and after the game, um, you know, because you're, you're kind of quarantined off from them. So in football, especially, you know, you, you can't go down on the field and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely been an adjustment. Um, 
And, you know, I guess I wasn't necessarily super upset about, you know, having a, a late Wednesday tip in Tulsa that I might have had to travel for otherwise. Um, so it's not mm. like it's, it's all bad. Uh, but definitely, you know, just whether it's the travel or, or more just kind of the in-person access, it, it definitely makes it a little bit more challenging um, to, to write different things or at least try and get some scenes, which I'm always looking to do. So it's it's made me adjust a little bit. But um I'm I'm hoping after this season we 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 won't have to worry about it too much. Yeah, no question about that. So with like like you mentioned before, the the basketball team, you know, up and down, some struggles this season. Do you find that the football team articles and the traction there is bigger than basketball right now for your writing? I don't know if it's bigger. I mean, when I started doing this, uh it was going into fickle second season, so th- there weren't the expectations than that there are now on football and you know basketball just dwarfed it in terms of attention you know yeah. to, to fickle's credit and the football team's credit that's that's not flipped but it's definitely evened out um and this yeah yeah this season has been a little bit weird i think some of the things like something like when the the zach harvey news popped or or when you have a, a big game whether it's like a, a, a four-game winning streak or the loss to Houston, like there's going to be interest in that, even if it's not always uh, positive uh, interest, there's going to be some visceral reaction there. Uh, But it's definitely like to have football kind of sustaining the attention during the off season while a basketball season is going on. That's unusual. Um, I mean, that's unusual from like a, you know, numbers metrics perspective on articles, but I think it's also just unusual for, for the Bearcats in general. Um, I don't think it's a bounce people want to see continue. And, you know, it's as, as kind of rough as this season has been, like last night put them in a good spot to maybe still get a bye going into the conference tournament, which seems, you know, kind of ridiculous based on how the season started. But so, you know, <laughs> it's not like the season is completely lost at this point, which again, right, is, right. Is, a, is a credit to them. Um but it's it's definitely you know the because of how well the football season went and just a lot of the momentum there. There's there's definitely been some sustained interest even though the the season's over. And do you do you find that the, the Bearcat fans enjoy um, hearing about some of the guys that have gone on and, and maybe are working out for the NFL? Because um, li- listen, Luke Fickle. I think doing and his staff are doing an amazing job recruiting wise, and then also a lot of the guys that you know just in the short uh, term he's been here are getting some NFL looks and are, are working out you know to hopefully enter the draft. Uh, do you find that fans are very interested in that? Yeah, I mean, like I, I did a piece on Josiah DeGuar last year ahead of the draft, and and that got you know that that was received well, and I did something a couple of weeks ago just about where some of these football players might project into the draft and and that did well too it all you know it's all part of it though right because the having players go to the nfl is just almost honestly more recruiting for for the football program it's it's the same in basketball and the right. same sense of pride that people have watching uc football and basketball like that gets carried into, into whoever's moving on so it's it's a little bit of not a newer development i guess because there there was a stretch there under bk and um, that kind of era where there, there was some good NFL products from Cincinnati, but it hadn't really been that way um, too much for, you know, the, the pre-fickle and, and early fickle uh, years. So I think getting back to some of that um, is, is a big pride point, but a point of interest for, for fans. Yeah. And people love, like you look at Kelsey, I mean, you've got a, 
think that a lot of Bearcat fans were cheering for, you know, the Chiefs, cheering for, for Kelsey. I mean, he, he wears Bearcat hats, Kenyon Martin jerseys. He's always wearing that on national TV, and, and Bearcat fans eat that up, man. And I think they they really love to see these guys go on to the NFL and continue to rep, you know, the Bearcat brand on, on national TV. Um, and actually, yeah, I was texting with uh, Derek Forrest last night. Yeah. Yeah, um, he and I are, are close, and uh, he's down in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, he's he's working out right now. And he told me he's trying to cut his uh, forty time down uh, right now. He says if he can cut that forty time down, he he thinks he has a chance um, that he'll move up a little bit. And and all all he wants is just a just an opportunity. He's a fantastic young man. I don't know how well you know him. Yeah, no, he he's he's great. He was. I don't want to say underappreciated, but I, I just think he's one of those guys who what he did, you know, in his four years, especially those kind of last three years where he was really a huge part of the defense. Like, I'm sure they'll miss him. You know, I, I think they're going to be really good without him, but just kind of what, what he did is going to be a big part of why they're going to be good going forward. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, by the way, before I forget, I, I, I can't <laughs> – we have to discuss this, but um, – Last night with the with the girls basketball game, uh, Thomas scoring fifty one points in a game. Yeah. How about second that? Bearcat, second Bearcat, uh, other than Oscar Robertson, uh, to drop drop fifty in a game, and maybe the most impressive, you know, no three pointers. Amazing. Twenty twenty field goals, eleven free throws. I mean, she's a beast. She went over eighteen hundred uh, points last night in, in the process of of dropping fifty one. I think she's fourth all time. Um, on, on the scoring list for Bearcats women's basketball. And, you know, Oscar, I mean, Oscar's ridiculous. He did it, I think, like six times he went over 50 in his in his UC career. But, you know, right. we're talking about no one has done that um, since 1960 uh, in, a, in a Bearcats basketball uniform. Like, uh, that, that's a big deal. And, no, she's – Oh, for sure. She, she's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I think the – you know, I love what's going on with the, the women's program and – yeah, I, I kind of feel bad in, in some regards. I, I don't talk a lot about the women's basketball team. I don't get a chance to watch as many women's games as I think a lot of focus, obviously, is on the men's team. But I think they're doing some great things with the women's basketball program. Yeah, I mean, Michelle Clark Hurd has, has really kind of, you know, turned it around. And, you know, a big part, too, is I think she's on the recruiting trail, like getting someone like Jillian Hayes, who – you know, yep. there, there's there's still people who are like, how how did UC not even talk to or don't, sign? Don't get, me <laughs> don't get me started. We won't go down that road because there's I know there's a lot of people like that. But you know, you then you got to credit someone like her who you know she's she's already playing really well as a freshman. I'm sure she could have gone you know plenty of places across the country, and uh, you come in and and get you know some some local talent like that that. I mean, she's getting talent regardless, like bringing in Trey Scott's sister and stuff. But I think a good way to really get people um, excited about that program is you bring in some of that, that local talent. Um, you yeah. know, it just gives that even further connection. So uh, when you can do that, that that's, a, that's a good sign. So no, I'm with you. And when you got, you know, players dropping 50, uh, you're going to get attention too, which well-deserved. That helps. Yes, that definitely helps. Now, let me ask you this. I'm intrigued with this question here. How do you determine – what you're going to write about. So, so do the, do the articles kind of like find you or, I mean, how does that work? Yeah, I think for the most part, I mean, honestly, during the season, it's, you know, a lot of it's just based around like the, 
the game schedule, um, whether you're writing specifically off a game or just kind of, you know, figuring out what's what's coming up next. It, the the storylines usually, you know, come up pretty simple. During the off season, maybe when you have to get a little more creative or think about a little bit more. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's not something I ever really think about. Um, I do think sometimes they kind of just, like, not drop into your lap, but, you know, so, like, I wrote a piece about Kelsey Sharkey, who um, – who does the like all the video and, and media for the football team? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of like about her and, and what her job's like behind the scenes and and uh, you know how she's you know created kind of this brand of of UC football for the past couple of years. I mean, I've known you know Kelsey for however three or four years, just who she is since I started covering the team, and it's it's pretty obvious how awesome she is at her job in terms of the stuff she put out. But it was almost kind of like one day. Hey, you know, maybe it's time to to do something on Kelsey. Like she's she's done a good job. Um, you know, I think people, if they don't know her, they know her work, and and so right uh, things like that. It, it wasn't necessarily like someone mentioning it to me necessarily, or it wasn't like some big epiphany. But it's like that story's been out there. You know, I could have done it two years ago or something like that. It just you know you, you do it at certain times when you have a chance to. Um, yeah. So there's definitely little things like that, but yeah, it's it's almost like you're kind of sprinkling those ideas in between the stuff that you almost have to do just because it's it's like, you know, part of the news cycle or availability cycle or whatever like that. And, and have you ever have you ever thought about, okay, I'm going to write this article and then you write it and you're just like, "Oh man, this is this is great stuff." Because I always feel like um let me think of an example. Okay, my favorite rapper of all time is Jay-Z. And I and I've always said Jay-Z has so many great songs. Um but I always think like Jay-Z's Empire State of Mind. Like that's not one of my like all-time favorite Jay-Z songs, but I feel like when he recorded that, he had to have walked out of that booth and go and listen and go, "Oh my god. This this is unbelievable." Cuz it became such a national anthem. You know, just all across stadiums, the Yankees picked it up. Like, he knew it was a home run. Have you kind of experienced that writing an article? I know it's kind of like pumping your chest, but you ever write one and go, oh, man, this is this is it. I can guarantee you I've never in my life felt like Jay-Z uh, <laughs> at, at any point, <laughs> unfortunately for me. So I, I can't identify with your uh, analogy necessarily. Uh, he's, he's, on, he's on a couple – Planes higher than I am. Uh, I mean sure. the feeling, the feeling of, <laughs> I mean the feeling of the content you're creating when you know you've hit a home run. So I talk to my wife about this a lot because, especially if it's like a bigger piece that you're spending a lot of time on, there's usually a point like when I'm writing it where I might feel like I'm really excited about this story or you know these interviews, these quotes that I've done. At some point in that process, like I'm always going to get to a point where I just hate the story. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like in the middle or right when it's about to come out, you know, or right after it comes out or something. I think that's just part of whether it's the writing process or my personal writing process. I don't know, but that's just something where I'm just like, eh, this isn't this isn't getting where I need it to go. Hopefully that I go through that before it actually is like done and come out. So, you know, I can feel good about it when it gets to that point. I guess I'll say there's definitely pieces where I feel like, okay, I feel like I got to where I wanted to go on this one. You know, I, yeah. I got I got the quotes that I wanted to go to. I, I feel like I told, you know, the story that I wanted to. But even then, it's so <laughs> strange. I, I never totally know, like, what's going to hit or resonate and, and what doesn't. And sometimes it's like a piece where, you know, I worked really hard on it and did a bunch of interviews. And 
you know, not that like it's it, it falls flat, but it's just like, oh, I thought that might, you know, get more attention or do a little better than I thought it would. And then there's the flip side where it's like, I, you know, I didn't think this was going to catch on uh, the, the way it did and, and, and people seem to like it more than maybe I anticipated. So, and that's, that's a good thing because I, I always try not to like feed in, you know, don't have too high of expectations, you know, when, when you're doing a piece. And then there's definitely like the separate ones. Like, look, I didn't really know how much the, the John Brennan dad story that I wrote before the season was, was going to catch on. But I did mm. know, like, this is a big story. There's yes. a, lo- a lot of stuff in here people don't know. It's really interesting. So I definitely felt like, you know, okay, this is this is one I feel good about and one I think, yeah. you know, might do well. But even then, it's, it's like you never – because it's also depend on things you can't control, like whether it's on your beat or something else. If something else happens, you know, right as, uh, you know, right as you put the story out, some weird breaking news story, or you know, or Timing. something happens that, yeah, that that kind of overshadows it. That's stuff you can't yep. control either. So you never really know when it comes out, like when something's gonna hit or, or when it's not. Um, but it it is. I will say it's a it's a really nice rewarding feeling when like you put out a story whether you worked hard on it or, you know, more than others or not. And, uh, and, and it's kind of well received. Uh, it, it, that part never gets old for sure. I'm sure Jay-Z would say the same thing. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny just to kind of piggyback what you were saying earlier about, you never know what kind of, what will hit and, and resonate with the folks. Um, you think about, you know, back to hip hop, notorious B I G he hated juicy. Like he did not want that song to come out and puffy, was like, no, this is going to be a hit. He's like, nah, people are not going to like this. I mean, and I can't go anywhere. I have started, like, I'll recite the first part of those lyrics, and everybody will repeat the whole, like, we'll start doing a whole song. It's become such a, you know, a, a cultural thing with that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all a dream. I used to, you know, everybody knows, but he didn't want that. So, you know, even in his eyes, he didn't know that that was going to really hit home with a lot of folks. So, you know, like you say, you, you know, you, you, you never know. And, um, and kind of segue from, uh, you know, taking that, uh, empire state of mind, the, the Jay-Z song. And that was off the, uh, blueprint three album, which wasn't really received very well. A lot of people didn't like Jay-Z's blueprint three album as well as the other ones. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I want to use that to segue into this Bearcat basketball team. Like, what is what is the blueprint for this basketball team's success? Because, I mean, I, I personally feel like every game, every game that this Bearcat team plays is it's kind of its own thing. Like, every game sits in its own space, and it's it's seemingly different from uh, the last one. So. Um, again, this, this segment uh, we're going to jump into is sponsored by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Cincinnati, and they have a new flexible bachelor's degree that will allow you to graduate conveniently and affordably, and you won't lose any credit or have to start over. So I, I do want to take a step back, Justin, and, and jump into the Houston game. Um, I, I don't know what can be said, but just, I mean, thoughts on the Houston game? Yeah, I mean – it's one of those where like I I I don't think you you burn the tape and just forget about it because I guess my biggest takeaway in the immediate aftermath was like this shows how rough this season has been and you know how much of a drop off there there's been in in the team I, I don't want to I'm not saying that like drop off in the program I don't think this is some sign of like 
you know, the program necessarily going in the wrong direction or anything like that. But just if, if you're comparing like where the team was last year to this year, you know, they, they beat Houston at home. They came back from a deficit. They end up getting the, the top seed and, and getting a share of the conference title beating out Houston for that. And it was just clear that like this year, these, these two teams are not anywhere, you know, close to the same level. And honestly, you know, I know they I know Houston lost to Wichita state and freaking East Carolina somehow, which that just shows you like how random all this is, but honestly, no one, you know, is on Houston's level from what I've seen in the conference this year, which makes sense. They're like a a top 10, you know, program in college basketball. So in, in that sense, it, it didn't surprise me like that, that it was kind of a clear divide. I think the difference was, and honestly, impressively, we saw a little bit of the opposite last night in that Tulsa game, but this is a program that it doesn't, this season has not had the leadership or, or really just like the um, togetherness of the team that when things start to go wrong, they can kind of like battle and, and hold it together for the most part. I actually think we mm-hmm. saw a little bit of that last night against Tulsa. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Now in that Houston game, we're probably talking – if they, you know, if they like hunker down and and they they come together and they play really well, they're probably losing by 15 to 20 uh, as opposed to 38. So like right. that shows you right there. It, you know, that I don't think they were they were going to win that game the way Houston was playing the other night. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that was kind of a sign of like here's some of the issues that have plagued them, you know, just like on steroids in that Houston game. Mm-hmm. And and there's plenty of reasons for that. You know, I've written about them. I'm probably going to write a lot more about them here in the coming weeks. Like, you know, I know people are so sick of the impact of COVID because of the way it's impacted their own personal lives, but it really has had a profound impact on, you know, obviously college basketball and all sports, but like this team specifically just because of its its makeup and its, its youth and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So I'm not, I don't know that things would look this way under kind of a, a normal season circumstance. But I, I think some of the um, struggles and shortcomings and issues that this team was always going to have this season have gotten kind of underscored and, and highlighted by some of that stuff. And, and the Houston game felt like the, the perfect storm for, you know, all right, they're not going to win that game. If, if they really come together and play really well, they're, they're losing that game by a dozen. Um, but instead they just – kind of collapsed and fell apart. And, and as John Brandon said, they got boat raced and it just really kind of made obvious some of the issues. Yeah. And I think too, you, know, you look at what, what really concerned me going into that game was Houston loses to Wichita state and Houston being a top, you know, top 10 team in the country, very talented. And, and I remember the days playing for Bob Huggins and we had some very talented top 10 teams you did not want to play us after we lost to a team we shouldn't have lost to. You did not want to play us the next game. We were Huggins was going to have us so prepared. And that was my concern kind of going into this game. It wasn't necessarily um, all Bearcats. It was Houston's going to be ready to beat us. And they're going to be ready to beat us because they also know, you know, the Bearcats have been the creme de la creme of the conference. And Houston always wants to, you know, always wants to beat us. So they kind of had that, you know, chip. And I was texting with some of the Wichita State players. Um, you know, I know a couple of them, very known them for a long time, Bryson Bush and a couple of those guys. And we were talking about it. I said, well, how, how in the world did you guys, you know, beat Houston? They talked about the physicality of it. And, and they were texting me saying, you know, I, we think you guys can beat them. And I said, ah. I, you know, I said, I, I appreciate that, but I don't like the fact that you guys beat them. I feel like we would have had a better chance if 
Wichita State lost to them, and Houston kind of came in like, ah, we'll, we'll probably beat the Bearcats. And, and, but you're right, though, man. The, the separation is just – it was so evident in that game. And, and, and listen, Justin, I thought we started off well. I think we shot – I don't know. We made – I don't know how many threes we made it – you know, we made to start off the game. But then – I think God, it was three real. for three maybe. Three for three? I think and, so. You know, they went up 19-18 with – you know, 12 minutes left or 10 minutes left, something like that. So, like, yeah, I mean, the way it started, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they just got beat right out of the, the breaks, but. Yeah. It went downhill I, I, after that. <laughs> down, downhill, over the, uh, it was just, yeah, it was, right. it was, it was, it was really, really bad. Um, And, and what, what then transpired, I think, not only during the game, but um, after the game is you, you start to look at, everything going on. So fans are starting to look at, okay, Zach Harvey has opted out. He may not return. There's, there's rumors about Tari. There's, we look at, you know, the guys that, um, you know, have, you know, rap left and, and, and Gabe opted out. So, so you put, you put all this together and then the Houston loss and everyone's like, Brandon's not the guy. These recruits suck. And, it's just like, oh God, and I'm like, I'm not going on Twitter and fighting all these <laughs> folks, but you know, you know, and, and, it, and it's tough because, and I, I've said this, I don't know, how, and I want to get your opinion on this, but I feel it's so tough to judge any basketball program this year. It's just so tough with every and every program. I have kids that I know that are playing college basketball all over the country, and all of them are dealing with different issues with their with their teams regardless of the success they're having or not it's just a tough year you mentioned the pandemic it's just all around it's almost like you, you just have to say it is what it is this year yeah and i mean look i i don't you, i definitely don't think anyone should be like a 31 or 38 point loss like that's no big deal because I, I i don't think that's the case like you never want to get beat by a, a conference team um you know by 38 points but uh, you're right in the sense that, you know, fans are emotional. And so everything's going to kind of come to a head at, at one time when something like that happens. But then you saw it last night, like, you know, I saw people saying like, oh man, if we could just get, you know, we get a good athletic big, like this could be a tournament team next season. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's true either, like to be fair, but it just shows you how, you know, and that's, you know, again, that's like sports. That's being a fan. That's that you kind of live and die with every moment. So when it's, it's a 38 point blowout on ESPN, like you, you really die with that. Um, and I do think there was, I, I think that moment was humbling in a lot of ways for, for coaches and players. Uh, and I think, you know, that has an impact too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think there's a, a lot of factors at play. I don't think any of them excuse uh, a 38 point loss, but I also think, you know, you always have to have a, a broader, or at least it, it's tougher for fans to have a broader view. So I'm always trying to have a broader view of like, mm-hmm. all right, how do they, how do they come back from this? If they would have gotten blown out by 38 at Houston and then they lost the last, whatever, five games, you know, they had left on the season and clearly just had, you know, no fight whatsoever. That's a bigger deal than getting blown out by, by 38. Totally. And then, Whatever happens, you know, obviously they, they, they pulled out a big win last night. You know, maybe they finish 5-0 and after that. Maybe they finish 2-3 and or 3-2. and But, you know, it's all you, – you have to kind of take all of that into into context and, and as, as well as you do the entire season, like you said. So uh, I don't blame anyone 
for for being emotional or upset but i guess i'm always trying to be like you know the trying to take some of that emotion out of it because you can be disappointed or frustrated, I think, without like going straight to, you know, we got to fire the coach or, you know, we got to blow right. the, the whole program, you know, or anything like that. But I yep. also, you know, I love sports too. So I, I get why people respond emotionally. I think that's well said. It's almost like um, it, this, this season, just not only Bearcats, but just basketball in general, it's like watching uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Do you ever, you ever watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Have you ever I'm, used your wife? I, I can't. I can't say I'm. I'm like a big uh, Kardashian head. Um, I'm. You know, I, I'm. I'm aware of all the characters involved, but there are there are a lot of characters. But but have you watched <laughs> the show? I'm. I. I can't. I don't know that I've ever actually sat down and watched an entire episode. But okay. I feel like I think you I have, get the but gist you don't of it. Want to admit it? I, no, I, just feel I would. Like you have, but you. But you have. Listen. Trust, I, I trust me. It. I have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would tell you if I watched it. <laughs> I, I watch it, and I, I tell you why I watch it. Well, first of all, it's fascinating to even get your arms around how this family has put themselves at the platform they're at—just fame and and wealth. Like one of them's a billionaire, so I, I watch just to. It's so fascinating to to really dive inside people of that level of fame and wealth and watch them move around every single day. But 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 like keeping up with the Kardashian, there's so many moving parts on that show. Like, you know, this person's angry, this person leaves the house, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's kind of like watching the Bearcats. It's like, rat's gone, dude's out, dude's in, Gabe's out, Harvey's out. Like, and, and, and speaking of Harvey out, what, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? If you want to, you know, you know, say anything, I know a lot of Bearcat fans have been talking about that on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, look, like it's it's not good when someone leaves the program, um, and it's not good when it's the I guess the, the fourth opt out, but Duke came back, so the third player to basically opt out for the season in in a season that's kind of a, a shortened schedule and all that. So that that's not good. I, I think it's I don't know. It, it just seemed like it was not a a good fit, um, not from the beginning, but. You know, if you just go back to how Harvey got here, it was late in that what 2019 mm-hmm. cycle, I guess, like, you know, like ahead of the 2019-20 season. Um, and you know, we've written about some of the the baggage and, and issues that that he came in with. And mm-hmm. you know, to his credit, there there has not been like any you know legal trouble or anything like that. And and I don't think anyone who was involved in that decision actually thought that was going to be the case. Um, but, but I think just beyond that it was a kid who for many reasons, not just legal issues, like was a very talented, highly ranked player. Um, But his, I guess, list of suitors, you know, destinations definitely dried up a little bit. And Mm -hmm. John Brandon's in a new job um, and, you know, wants to make a splash and and has roster spots to fill. And so he, you know, has a relationship with the the kid and, and, you know, some of the kids coaches and, and takes him and it just, in the end, you know, a year and a half later, whatever it is, turned out to actually not be a good fit, um, I think, on either side. And, you know, yeah, I, I think you you could make an argument sometimes that, like, why wasn't Zach playing a little bit more? Um, and, you know, he was I thought he was playing really, really well, and it felt like he was starting to put it together before that layoff. But then right. they had the layoff, and then he misses the two games after that, and then he doesn't play much in the next two games, and clearly, like, his, you know, his body language is not good. That that UCF game, I mean, where we're that sitting right so now in the arena. 
Yeah, and like we're sitting right behind the bench, and he just like he you know he patted that entire game, and you know look like from his perspective, I get it. He probably thought like, man, I was playing really well. I want to help the team. You know, I want to play more. Um, but it almost just felt like there was uh, this recognition that like this isn't going to fit. He's not going to fit into John Brandon's uh, you know culture or system that he wants to do. You know, Zach probably feels like I can go somewhere and, and play more. I want to play more. And wherever you come down on that divide, you know honestly probably fed into what you felt prior to that. Like if you were a, a, a John Brandon defender and supporter, um, even as things were going rough, then you're, you're probably going to say like, well, you know, he, he didn't play up to his recruiting rankings or he, he wasn't a great fit for the system. If you were like, you know, we got a top 54 star recruit, he needs to be in there and playing. Well, then him leaving is only going to rankle you even more. Um, I, I think the truth is, you know, as usual, as usual, probably somewhere in the middle of that, but mm-hmm. I think what it ultimately comes down to is he Zach Harvey is not a good fit for the system and the culture John Brandon wants to implement. Now, it's now on John Brandon to show and prove that that culture and system that he wants to implement is going to win games, is going to get recruits that do fit that style of play, and that does take time. But you yeah. know, that's the balance right there. So if, you know, in in a couple of years the, the roster stabilized and they're, you know, battling for – AAC championships every year and, and, and going to the tournament and stuff like that. Then I think you say like, Hey, you know, that, that worked out. If the opposite happens then you could point to that as a data point for like, you know, here's, here's an example of where things go wrong, but you, you hired John Brandon to do a job to implement his culture and his system. And uh, it just seemed like that wasn't, that wasn't going to work with, with Zach Harvey. And that's on the floor too. There, there was also just a, a bunch of off, off the floor stuff. Zach kind of hinted at it in, in a, his message on Twitter. John Brandon talked about it a couple of days afterwards. So uh, mm-hmm. I think the fit in terms of basketball on the floor, off the floor, personally, mentally, emotionally, um, there was just a lot of things that, that weren't coming together. Maybe that would have been different in a, a non-pandemic season, but maybe it, it, this was maybe it just sped up kind of the, the inevitable conclusion of that. It's, it's, I guess it's hard to say. And so many of these student athletes go through so many things off the court that a lot of fans and even myself don't even know about. And I mean, how you how you operate off the court, things that are going on off the court, they do impact what happens on the court. I know it seems like playing basketball is a release from things that are happening outside um, in the real world. But it, it does impact these young people that are 19, 20, 21 years old, and it's 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 not an easy thing. Um, and you mentioned something that well, I, I do. And want I do to... want I do want to say on Zach too, like saying that he's not because everything you just said is 100 percent true, and saying that he wasn't a fit for for Brandon's system or culture, or whatever. Like I don't want that to be an indictment on Zach because it's not. It just wasn't the right pairing but you know of, of system right. and player or coach and player or whatever but that's not to say that like it was either of their fault necessarily and certainly not Zach's fault you know for feeling like it it wasn't working and he had to move on um so you know I I don't I certainly don't think it should be like well you know it was a it was a bad kid or you know anything like that because I, I don't think that's the case I think it was just like a a situation that didn't didn't work out well, you, you know what, and I'll I'll say this. And I've, I've never said this on the podcast before. Um, I remember when Harvey first got to UC, and I went to a practice, and I was talking with all the the new players, just kind of introducing myself. You know, hey, I'm Alex, former player, blah blah blah. And I went over and I spoke to um, Harvey, 
and he and I have a, a mutual friend, a, a young man that is from the same area he's from that played high school basketball against him. And so we, we got a mutual friend. So I kind of dropped the name and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I know B blah, blah, blah. So, so I said to Harvey, I said, how are things going? Like, you know, the, the season hadn't started yet. Um, you know, I think maybe a week away from the first game, I said, you know, how are things going for you? How are you adjusting coach, blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and he said, very overwhelming. <laughs> And think about this, Justin. You think about a kid who comes in and at, at one point during his high school career, you know, was looked upon as, as whatever star. I think Kansas, wasn't Kansas recruiting him or offered him or yeah. wasn't that the original school? So Yeah, Kansas was on him. Like he was a Kansas kid and they were on him pretty early, yeah. Right. So you've, you've got all this and you've got, you know, everybody looks at this kid as a certain type of, you know, high-level player. And he looked me in the eyes just like, a deer in the headlights go is very overwhelming. Just like it was almost too much for him. And um, I, I just, I was kind of shocked. I was kind of taken back by it because I was expecting an answer like, oh yeah, man, I'm just trying to adjust to this and that and I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be good. But it was like, oh my God, this is a lot of, this is a lot of stuff. So, and, and I want to use that to segue into something you were talking about before that a lot of Bearcat fans are, are really being hard on Coach Brand and his staff about it, and that is recruiting. And you just haven't heard a lot about recruiting and who they're going after. I think in a lot of ways, ways fans just want to hear names. Like, they don't even know how good the player is or what. They just want to hear names. Who are they recruiting? And, and, and people will look at Fickle and say, well, Fickle and them are recruiting all these guys. And I say, football's different. Now, you're recruiting hundreds of kids and Names are all out there. Basketball is a little bit different. You're looking at individual pieces, and it's, there's a there's a science to it. And I think, and correct me, I want to get your opinion on this. Correct me if you think I'm I'm wrong, but I, I feel like Coach Brand, his staff, based on the opt outs and kids leaving and his system, he's trying to find the right fit because these next two years are crucial for Coach Brandon. Like I I think we all knew year two was going to be tough, but year three and four are crucial. He's got to have the right guys in. Yeah, no, totally. And you're right. And first of all, that like football recruiting is, is very different from basketball. And if let's be honest, it probably doesn't help Brandon and the basketball team that fickle and football have just completely killed it on the recruiting trail. Cause you know, there's, yeah. there's like now, you know, a little bit more of that thirst and interest in in the recruiting side on football Basketball is different, and honestly, like John's different. You know, he's he does not like to necessarily talk about the the, the recruiting side as much. He's he's very analytical, very cerebral, very you know careful in, in what he decides. And honestly, like the Zach Harvey thing is a good example of that. That was not John Brandon's normal preferred kind of like recruiting approach. It was yep, you know, taking a kid late that you know he didn't necessarily have uh, a great assessment on, but because of the circumstances, because he was a highly ranked kid, because he had a relationship, because it was, you know, his, his first off season and he's trying to fill spots. Not that he took a gamble, but I think, you know, that under normal circumstances, that might not necessarily have been a, a decision he made. Or maybe when it's a kid who's ranked that high, you're like, it's it's worth taking a chance and, and then you see what happens. Um, I, the, I, I feel the recruiting way the same way I feel about uh, just kind of the on-court thing, which is, I'm not going to tell anyone like, Oh, it's totally fine. You just, you know, need to trust or not worry. Like it is fair to be like, we have zero players signed for next season. Uh, if you're a UC fan and they've mm -hmm. had what three, you know, 
maybe two to three more spots that are going to open up that they, they weren't necessarily um, envisioning, you know, going into next season because of, of opt-outs and things like that. So not only do you not have players signed, but now you have more spots you have to fill. So yeah. I, I'm not going to say like, Oh, don't be skeptical of that or, or don't ask questions uh, because I think it's fair to, but I also, you know, at this point it's kind of like John Brandon has made clear he didn't want to sign players in the early signing period because he couldn't go and, and make evaluations on players. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to disagree with that, you know, approach too, especially just because of the circumstances of the pandemic, but that's his approach. All right. So let's see what he does with it. Uh, it's pretty clear the transfer portal transfer market is, is going to just be completely wild and out of control you know, oh, compared man. to anything we've ever seen before. And Oops. so I think, that's going to have an impact on the college kids. It's also going to have an impact on these high school kids that are coming out because people are going to be leaving spots open for transfers and, and putting a lot more attention in there from a recruiting standpoint. So it's almost one of those things where like, all right, let's, let's see how they, they do with this because just on paper, I think you have to give him credit for how he's rebuilt the, the roster his first two seasons. I agree. Now, you know, totally. he had seven new players, both of the first two years. Clearly not all of those have worked out. We've seen that this year, like the Rapolis Ivanowska signing. People were excited about it. You know, when it happened, it, it didn't work out at all. Uh, Zach Harvey, you know, it, it wasn't this year, but it was last year. But, like, that's when people were excited about. It didn't work out. But then you can look at, like, you know, all right, Mike Adams-Woods. Honestly, that was a similar situation just in terms of, like, I don't think they had a great assessment or, you know, long-standing relationship with him but they took him and he's a, a really important, valuable part of the program. Uh, mm-hmm. They land a guy like David Julius, who's a former four-star you know, recruit at a high school who was highly touted. And he's a big part of the team this season is going to be a huge part of it next season. Uh, Tari Eason, top 75 guy from the West Man. coast who I realize, you know, has, has, I think, struggled and, and maybe lost a little bit of confidence right now. And he's always the one that people are like freaking out about, but like they, you know, they, they got him here. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see, okay, the same way that this season has just put a lot more, um, I don't know, eyes or concern or pessimism or whatever you want to call it. Like it's going to be the same in the recruiting landscape this off season, especially with these extra spots. But John Brandon has his system, his culture. He trusts it. That's what he wants to go for. So let's see what he does with it. And, uh, you know, I, I think you, when you hire a coach, you, you hire them to do the job. And so you kind of have to at least assess how they do at that perspective and, and then make some decisions. So I'm, I'm interested to see just like everyone else, you know, who they bring in and, and who they land this summer and how many guys they're going to have to get. Um, but I, I do think that has also added to some of the concern because when you're not playing that well and players are leaving and then you don't have – you know, names as like this guy's coming in next. That just right. adds to all of the anger and frustration. I totally get that. Um, but from my perspective, like reporting on it, I'm kind of more of like, all right, let's let's see what they do with this because they have added some interesting pieces uh, the past two off seasons, and if they can replicate that and more importantly stabilize that heading into next year, then it'll be interesting to see you know what they do with that moving forward. And I think you're right in that you know. A lot of fans are saying, okay, this year has been frustrating, but so-and-so's coming in to save us next year. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of times you think about, okay, go back to Mick Cronin's first two years. Um, and I remember having a conversation with Mick. People wanted Mick fired. Like, 
they were talking about buying one of those uh, helicopters that fly over UC that says fire <laughs> Mick Cronin. Like somebody was trying to do that, but that's, that's how fans are. And I, I will never forget this. Um, I was at a practice and, and Mick and I were talking and he goes, I know everybody wants me fired, but well, trust me, we're going to turn this around. And, and one of the things that he was talking about was the fact that Yancey Gates was coming in the next year his third season, he felt like Yancey was going to kind of be that piece that helps elevate specifically recruiting because you got a, a big piece like Yancey. And you, Bearcat fans have to remember, in, in Mick's second season, they go and play UConn and get beat by 40-something at UConn. And 45, then they go yeah. 45 points and then go on <laughs> to lose the next – you know, that was the last regular season game, so I think uh, the next game's the conference tournament. They lose that. They lose to Bradley in the CBI, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> and, they, you know, they lose the last, whatever, four or five games. I forget what, what the losing streak was, and people were kind of like, ah, ah. And, but that, that all worked out. And I think what fans have to remember is, and specifically with Coach Brandon, I feel like Coach Brandon runs marathons. You know, he's like, let me, it's going to take a little bit of time. Let me get my pace down. But once we get this going, we're going to be, you know, uh, headed in the right direction. But I, I want to talk about um, a piece you wrote as we talk about recruiting. And I, I really, I love this kid. I've known this kid since he was a ball boy at Moeller High School watching his brother. He was a little chubby kid running. I always remind him of this. He was a little chubby kid <laughs> that had, like, Snickers and Skittles in his pocket, and they would fall out while he was a ball boy at Moeller. And now he is one of the most important pieces to Bearcat basketball right now, and that's Jeremiah Davenport, and you wrote a fantastic article about him. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you know from a recruiting perspective, just on Jeremiah first, that's, you know, for – if you're going to point to someone like Rap or Zach Harvey as kind of a miss by, you know, this, this coaching staff, man, you got to just talk about how how they hit on a kid like Jeremiah Davenport, who yep. didn't have a ton of interest offers coming out of high school from Moeller, got a little bit more when he went to Hargrave, but, you know, it, it's a guy that John Brandon was on immediately when he got the job and, you know, felt like even if fans didn't see it last year, I certainly didn't see it last year felt like he could be a really important piece for, for what they're doing. And, and yeah, he's, he's totally become that. Um, so that's, you know, that's a credit from an evaluation and a development standpoint on, on their end. And you're right. I mean, it's John Brandon mentioned this a couple weeks ago after a game, Jeremiah and I talked about this when I talked to him for this piece, like it's, it's always a little bit more special when you got a local kid who grows up being a fan of a program, you know, and, he said this is his dream school. This is this was his dream to come to Cincinnati and play. Um, yep. All his his coaches, high school coaches who I talked to, said like this is you know Jeremiah wanted to play at Cincinnati. Um, when he got that call from from John Brand that he was coming to see him, like that you know that that's a seminal moment for him because he's like I might have a chance to to play at Cincinnati. Um, and so then when you take all of that, but also just factor like the energy of this kid and kind of you know, the, the heartbeat that he is for, for this program right now and, and the sense of leadership that he's going to be able to bring to them moving forward, that's that's huge. And you know, we saw last night the, the play he makes at the end of the game and honestly, you know, a couple plays he made throughout the course of that game. Uh, it, it shows some of his, his potential, but also just how, how cool is it to, if you're a Bearcats fan, to 
you know, how, how many guys you've been upset who have been local kids who have gone elsewhere. Well, this kid might not have been the, mm-hmm. the most highest rated one or anything like that, but uh, he's a Cincinnati and, you know, he has a big sense of pride about that and it's really working out well. So yeah. that part was cool and, to write about. And you, you and so your, your articles are proving to be very prophetic. You, you write that. <laughs> and then I, I, I think you go from writing that article to this game, the Tulsa game, and he was, and in a lot of ways, the, the key piece to winning this basketball game. So you were well, looking very – the timing. It was nice. It was nice, too, because the timing was not initially great. Uh, there wasn't, like, a, a big thirst for a, a feel-good hometown hero piece after that 38-point loss to, <laughs> to Houston, as, as much as people like J.D. Um, so it was nice that, you know, then kind of like the day after it came out um, – you kind of got to see everything that I was I was trying to get at in that piece, including you mentioned it too. Every single person I meant I talked to was like, "Yeah, man, he was he was a little chunky kid." And oh. I, I guess I guess you can say that when you end up being like a six seven, you know, ripped college athlete, it's it's a right. little easier to look back and laugh. But even like that was one of the first things Jeremiah mentioned to me when we talked. Like, oh yeah, I was actually like a chubby football player when I when I was growing. <laughs> it's no, it no. When I tell you. I am not making this up. And you know he comes from a tremendous basketball family. Oh my gosh, oh, yeah. like it's ridiculous. It it is it's it's I mean, when it's all said and done, the Davenport family and the basketball community will will definitely be up there, you know, as far as what they've accomplished compared to like the, you know, the Larkin family, the Wolf family, all the great families, the sports families in Cincinnati, but you know, I remember watching his brother uh Michael when he played and Jeremiah was and when he played at Moeller and uh, Jeremiah was a uh, was a ball boy. I, I, I kid you, when like Skittles would literally fall out this kid's pocket, and he'd pick them up off the ground and put them in his mouth. I joke with him about that. He's like, "You're right, you're right. I'll drop Skittles and eat them." And just a little chubby guy, but I, you make a great point. I love to see a kid that says, "This is my dream school. This is where I'm going," and he ends up there, and he becomes an important piece. And I think one of the keys with JD is, and Hugs used to always say this. If you play extremely hard every time you're out there, regardless of your skill level, height, and all that, good things are bound to happen. And I think since the day Jeremiah has stepped on this campus, he has played hard, and good things have happened for him. Yeah, I, you know, I talked to Lee Martin, who he's an assistant at uh, Ohio University right now, which is my alma mater, but he, he was a head coach at Hargrave for seven years, I think. And he had JD that, that prep school year. And he, he said, he's like, you know, he views playing hard as a skill that, mm. yeah, there's some guys who you can, you can say they're really talented, but we need to, to speed them up or, you know, make them work a little harder. And you can do that the same way that you can improve your game at something else. But he was like to, to play that hard as a skill. And because of that, you know, he always viewed Jeremiah as like one of those kids who was, was going to make it and have an impact um, because yes, he had the talent, but he also just had that, that motivation and energy. And that comes out in other ways too. Like there's guys who play hard, but they aren't real exuberant, you know, or screaming and yelling or, or leaders or something like that. And, and Jeremiah has that too. And, and I think on this team specifically, they really need that guy, like that hype man kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he brings that in addition to, you know, some of the small ball versatility that he brings on the court. Like he also, I think is just a huge lift for, for that team on the sideline in the locker room, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. And this segment is sponsored by the college of arts and sciences at the university of Cincinnati. And and I want to jump into this Tulsa game a little bit more. Um, And and after, 
after getting stomped by Houston and, and have to go back on the road to play and to bounce back, the one thing that really stuck out to me, and I'm not sure, where, where did you watch the game, by the way? In my basement. You watched it in your basement. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're watching the game just like I am. And did you notice the energy from the bench when players were, were doing things successfully on the court? I mean, the bench was going crazy. Like you look at, you know, Mikey Saunders, who I'm not even sure how, what he played, eight minutes maybe? I, I, don't, I don't know, but he didn't play a lot. He is going crazy cheering for his teammates. And I felt like everybody on that bench was engaged. Did you notice that? Yeah, no, I thought so too. And I think that goes back to, I think that Houston loss was, was really humbling for everyone involved and um it was it was painful but I think maybe there was some some good that came out of it and you know I think one of it was just like maybe bringing guys a, a little bit closer um you know you know because of that and I think mm-hmm. we saw that last night you know first of all I think everyone coaches players realized how important that game last night was you know we talked about earlier if things just completely went off the rails and, and fell apart the rest of the season after that Houston game, then I think you have really big problems heading into the off season. Yep. Uh, if, if they're able to bounce back and kind of salvage it, and they certainly did last night, that's, that's a real positive. And I'm with you. I thought that was a big deal. I was just most impressed, you know, Pulse is an okay team. Uh, I think they're 10 and 10 overall. So they're kind of, you know, right in that same 500 realm that, that you see that this season, but, they're a really veteran team. They have a bunch of juniors and seniors. They're playing at home on, you know, senior night. I realize it's not a normal senior night. But for, for UC to go in there, get down by a dozen early and come back, and then fight off kind of this late game collapse when they had the lead, that to me was the biggest takeaway, which was like they could have folded right away. They could have folded yep. at the end, especially coming off that Houston loss. And the fact that they kind of just battled back from both of those and, and, and pulled out a win uh, – you know, even though it's a 10 and 10 Houston or a t- Tulsa team, like that to me is, is a big deal that they were able to do it from that perspective. And so I, I was at a high school basketball game last night. First high school basketball game I've been to all year. I went out to Turpin versus Oak Hills. And Wasn't was, that like I a said, 28 to 21 overtime win or something it, like that? So, tur- yeah, it was a football <laughs> game. So Turpin won the football <laughs> game on a last second touchdown, 28 21. It was, it was like, how, how do I explain this? You know, Coach Price, the head coach of Oak Hills, and Josh Sloan, the head coach of Turpin, two great, great individuals. I know both of them very well, and they're, they're both are very meticulous with detail offensively and defensively. And it's just it was going to be a grinded-out Big Ten football game. Every possession. <laughs> it was one of those games where any shot, if it wasn't wide open, seemed like a terrible shot. Like, that's how detail-oriented every possession was. So, that game is going to the end, and I'm, I'm gonna. I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna jump in the car. I'm gonna go watch the Bearcat game with my dad because I, I watch every game with my father. I told my dad I might be a few minutes late, Dad, and the game goes into overtime. I think it was like nineteen to nineteen is <laughs> in the regulation, and it's going into overtime. I call my dad. I'm like, you're never gonna believe this, Dad. It's nineteen to nineteen, and it's in overtime. I'm gonna be late for the game, and so the game ends. It's after sometime after nine. I call my father, Justin. And I'm like, Dad, I'm getting in the car. I'm on my way. And he goes, take your time. We look like crap. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, God. So I get in the car, and, and Dan Horde just seems like he's beside himself. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, 
we start getting it together. We start making a run. And I'm like, you know what? I need to stay in the car. I'm a crew. <laughs> so, Justin, I literally drove around for a little bit longer because I didn't want to lose out. I'm like, what See, is wrong with me? That's why. That's what I was talking about. Like, you know, fans are emotional. That's I love that about sports fans. I'm the same way about stuff like that. Like, you really believe that you driving around in the car was going to have any impact on the game. And who am I to tell you you were wrong? Like, you know, I, I love that. I, I seriously, I swear on, on the Bible that I, I did not get out of the car until after halftime. I was just I kept driving around. And I said to myself, okay, I was so hungry because I didn't eat before the game. So I left at like 5 o'clock to get out there. So I had to eat, and it's it's literally ten o'clock, and uh, I have to eat every two hours, or I I go crazy. So <laughs> I'm like, I gotta go in the house and eat, and I'm like, if we lose this game, it's my fault because I got out of the car. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong? What is wrong with me? So, but, but anyway, um, you know, th- like I said earlier, kind of leading into this, you know, every game is just so different for this Bearcat team. You just never know what you're gonna get, and, and at one point. During the game, I don't know if you felt this way. This was in the second half. I think we might have went up nine or something like that. I said to myself, could we actually blow this team out? I thought that for a second. <laughs> and then we, we do like two dumb things, and I'm like, well, never mind. But we were we were like there where we would just do what I call two to three positive plays. It It, it crushes Tulsa, and we take off. But we just can't sustain that. That that greatness during the game, Justin. Yeah, I mean, Brandon's talked about this. He talked about it last year. You know, that that was a team that was a lot better than this season, and, and it was the same deal. Like every game came down to the to the last minute, and he made a comment about it last night after the game that you know he kind of like dad joked with the players in the locker room, like you know if you guys want to win by twelve or or fifteen one game, I'd I'd be fine with that. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is because at, at this point it's it's not just this team. It you know it, it happened last year too. There's there's just something about it where, um, you know, to their credit, when when they when they get down, you know, Houston game aside, uh, they 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 battle back and you know they they don't kind of they didn't fold up. But yeah, they went up. What I think they went up nine in the second half at one point, like mm-hmm. fifty nine to to fifty, and uh, and then obviously just the, the game got got tight at the end. I think you know some of that is youth and and the inexperience yeah. and and a little you know the needing to find kind of that that culture and, and leadership I, I definitely think that uh is, is part of it too but i'm with you at this point it just seems like it's like the, the next the, the next game they win by a, a dozen or something like that I, i'm gonna be blown away i think we all will but but you know what at least they're winning these now they're not losing them like they were prior you know and and, and finding ways um, to lose games. But I, I think one adjustment that I saw, um, and, and I'm not sure where the adjustment was, if it was adjustment with Keith internally or if it was Coach Brandon, but the, the, the move that you've got Keith handling the basketball and kind of breaking down the defense, um, drawing that extra defender and then and then dumping it off. I mean, he made some, down that stretch, he made some tremendous uh, passes a couple to to Tari uh, to I think uh, uh, Boat. Um, yeah. I thought he was fantastic last night. No, he was great, and you're right. And he showed a little bit of that in that UCF game too, in terms of distributing. I remember he had a real nice pass to to Micah on, on a back cut kind of late in the second half. 
Um, that gave him a little bit of a cushion. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he had six assists last night, and there were, you know, he could have had, you know, nine or ten, honestly, if, if a couple, you know, guys hit a shot or there was that one Tari dunk that came right after the, the, the shot yeah. clock went off. Uh, I'm with you. I, I, that was the best game he played this year. I think it was probably uh, the best game he played since the, that South Florida game last year when, when Jaron was hurt. And, you know, I asked John about it after the game. He said that they've been showing Keith, you know, tape film of when he gets the, you know, he has a high usage rate. When he gets the ball, uh, teams know he's going to do something with it. And, you know, they showed him teams are just running doubles at him because they know like, all right, he's going to, he's going to attack the basket and take a shot or, or something like that when he gets the, when he gets the ball. And I think they were trying to tell him, like, trust your teammates, you know, you command the defense that they're going to come after you, then you dish it and get easy buckets. And I'll be honest, like, I think Keith has a ton of strength. Um, and, and I kind of hate that, like, this has had to be his senior season with all the, the COVID nonsense and, and stuff like that, that he's never really going to get the, the kind of senior season and send off that, that he properly deserves. But I didn't know that he had that part of his game in him. Like I, I didn't think he had kind of that vision and mm-hmm. uh, distributing ability. I thought he's, you know, he's an athletic freak. He's a really good basketball player. I just didn't think that was one of his strengths. And I know people are probably listening to this thinking like, why couldn't he have done this two months ago? Um, and and yeah. I totally get that, but I, I give him credit for like recognizing that and, and kind of embracing that here a little bit uh, down the stretch. And, you know, if he can do that consistently, which is, has always been the thing with Keith, if he can continue that over these, next four games, I'm not going to be the one to say like, Oh, they can you know make a run in the conference tournament, but they could, you know, at, at least not look like the the team that lost five straight early in the season. And, and like everything was, was a waste of time. Uh, and so that, that would be a good thing. Yeah, no question. I, and I think to, to me, it looks like he's more relaxed. I mean, he looked relaxed last night because I feel like in the past, he's really put that Superman cape on. Um, taking tough shots um, when when he's so athletic, he doesn't have to take some of those tough shots. He can find a better shot, and I believe that's probably what Coach Brand and the staff are trying to show him and um, and, and help him navigate through that. Because like you just mentioned mentioned usage rate, and I don't I don't know all the statistics, but based on the games I've watched, he's got to be up there as one. Miss <laughs> usage rate has to be one of the highest based on. Um, all the things he's done. Yeah, I mean, he's, um, I think he's court. top in the conference. Um, Has right to right up there in the conference, and and probably pretty high, uh, just just nationally too. Yeah. Um, also, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the play of uh, of Madsen. You know, I, I think he was what three for four last night. Mason was from three point yep. land. Is that yep. right? Yeah. So um, I, I thought he he's been a pleasant surprise. Um, and listen, I, I did know a lot about him coming into this. I, I think his, I feel, I feel like his brother got more of the the hype, um, you know, coming mm-hmm. into this. But I, I've been pleasantly surprised with with Mason on a, on a couple different fronts. Um, I, I could see he's making some mistakes here and there. He's a freshman, obviously, and he didn't play early on with the with the boot on early in the season. But I mean, he he's it's kind of like with, with Jeremiah. He's he's working hard, like. You, you can never fault his effort out there. Um, he's always cheering for his teammates. He's enthusiastic on the bench. If you if you look at it, every time somebody comes out, Mason jumps up and goes to high five him. He doesn't put his like fist out sitting down. He jumps and goes and and, and high fives the guy, says something to him, pats him on the back. 
Um, and I think those things, just being a great teammate and, and those things, they end up translating on the court. And you're starting to see the success he's had on the court. And I think without his shooting, um, we might not have won some of these basketball games. Yeah, I mean, certainly last night, you know, him, him hitting a couple of those bombs in the first half, it really brought him back. But it also kind of pulled Tulsa out of that zone they were playing and, and helped space the floor and, and open things up. So yep. I'm totally with you on that front. And yeah, it's funny, you know, Gabe, was the, he's the higher-rated recruit. And, I, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with, with Gabe moving forward, but he definitely got more of the attention coming in. And, and there was a a sense that, like, well, they just took Mason to, to get – uh, Gabe to come here, and oh, yeah. you know, to, his, to his credit, you know, Brandon was always publicly and privately like, "That's that's not the case. Like, we think Mason's a good player." And I actually had a couple people outside of the program who knew them tell me before the season, you know, at least freshman year, I think Gabe has or Mason has a better chance to play and make an impact this season. Now they were saying that without knowing that Gabe was going to opt out, so it ended up wow. being, you know, the case. But just because of what he does well really fits into Brandon's system. He's a very smart mm-hmm. player. He's a pretty yes. good passer. He plays defense. He he has an outside, you know, shot. Uh, and so I think everyone just kind of thought, like, you know, first of all, those are some things this team desperately needs that, that Gabe does well. But just kind of his his mentality, you know, we talked about why maybe Zach Harvey wasn't the, the best fit from, like, a, a mindset perspective. Like, Gabe does kind of fit into, uh, you know, I, I think what, what Brandon wants to do. Um, the same way that, you know, Jeremiah does and David Julius does and, and things like that. So uh, I'm not surprised that he's kind of found a, a role for himself so far, but especially after the ankle injury to start the season and all that kind of stuff, I, I am pleasantly surprised with, with how well he's played. And, you know, he, he doesn't seem overwhelmed or, or out of place out there at any point. And, you know, for any freshman, I think that's impressive. Yeah, and, and we've seen improvement in vote when – I think everybody on Twitter had benched Chris Vote. Um, my, my response to that was, listen, folks, Vote may not be playing well right now. Vote might not be the answer the entire season, but we need him. Like we, this team needs that guy in spots, and I think that was evident in not only some other games that we won on the on the four and zero run, but but also the game last night. I think he did some very valuable things and, and I'm I'm liking the improvement <clears throat> excuse me that we're seeing uh from Chris. Yeah, my thing on vote has always been like I think the worst thing that happened to him was how well he played to start the year last year. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't supposed to be clear. No one thought he was gonna get the waiver. So they didn't even think he was gonna play last year. And then he comes in and, you know, Jaron's having his issues and is, is banged up and, and they really played through Chris early on. And I think he just took a lot of teams by surprise um, because they weren't ready for him. And then he got banged up and teams started, you know, putting him on the scouting report and, and it just kind of fell apart from there. And then I think people expectations were, were a little too high for him because he played so well. And, you know, I, I don't think, you know, the, the, the joke, obviously he came with Brandon and, you know, Brandon seems to like him more than, than any uh, UC fans do just from a, an on-court perspective. I, I, mm-hmm. I think there's probably some truth to that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think some of the games where he's had that, that good role this season where it's been a good matchup or they've needed his, his length and his height that was probably more what his role should have been. It shouldn't have been a second team, all conference, double digit score, but that's the way he came out last year. And so that's kind of the the first glimpse that people saw of him. But yeah, you saw it last night on, you know, man, he is a 
just absolutely dreadful free throw shooter. So anytime he's in late in the game, I'm just like, this is a bad move. If I was shooting like, 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 is he shooting like 36 like percent? Yeah, 36 this year. He shot 52 percent last year, and we should have realized like 52 percent was uh, you know, he was stroking it then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so anytime he's on the, especially late in the game, I'm just like, yeah, gosh, this is a bad move. But on that last defensive play, like. You know, him huge. being there in the middle on that lay, yeah, on that layup, he was, he was a big part of that miss. So, uh, and and we've seen him have games where he, he has been a positive contributor. I think it's just been a little bit of a struggle to find the right role for him after the way things you know started last year. And you know that that you just you just brought something up that I think is great. So I, that last possession, like he he was key in that last defensive possession. Um, and I wonder if he wasn't in that game, could things have ended differently? And I remember um, during the game, uh, Dan Dockich was calling for uh, Coach Brandon to take him out that last possession. He's like, you 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 got to get, you know, vote out. Um, but I, I think leaving him in turned out to be, you know, uh, valuable. By the by the way, D- Dan Dockich read my tweet. I was say, you, you talking about your close personal friend, Dan Dockich? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, every time – I've got to say this. Every time he is on the game, like I can deal with Bill Walton because Bill Walton's funny. Like he goes off when he does like a, a, a UCLA game or something, he goes off talking about like swimming in tubs of chocolate and blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about, bro? But with Doc, it's just like he went on like this whole thing about Michigan, you know, last night. And then the, whole, the game's going like Jeremiah hit a three pointer and then somebody else did something great. And he's sitting there talking about Michigan for like five minutes. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you are killing me. And so I didn't even tag him in the tweet. Like, I just said, this is us losing to Houston, <laughs> getting killed. Our punishment is having Dockage do the game. And then he somehow he saw it and, and read so it mid game. Hmm? Dockage is notorious for searching his own name on, on Twitter. That's like, that's part of his, his brand. And, you know, honestly, a guy like that who searches his own name on Twitter, like, you know, that, I feel like that tells you everything you need to know right there. <laughs> that, tell, that tells you a lot. Like, I, and my, my dad, so I, like I said, my dad and I watching the game together, and my dad goes, did he just say your name? Did you tweet about him? And I'm like, yeah, dad, I, it wasn't nice. But, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, not good. But, uh, and t- talk about that. Um, by, by the way, before I forget this, um, in the uh, post-game presser, uh, you guys did a presser with uh, uh, Coach Brandon last night, right, after the mm-hmm. game? Yeah. Um, did anybody, you or anybody, I didn't get a chance to listen or see it, but did anybody bring out uh, or talk about that when he called that timeout when we were making a – we kind of had like a good little run and he called a timeout and everybody's like, why the hell did he call a timeout? Did anybody bring that up? Yeah, I asked him about it. Um, it was oh, you like did? Little, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause it was, oh, it was wow. strange. Like in the moment I was kind of like, it was. But, but he also, it was pretty clear. It was a 30 second timeout and he went like right into it. So it, it felt like he had a specific point, right. you know, obviously when he called it. So I, I did, I asked him and it was a little over six minutes left. They were up by seven. Keith had just hit a bucket to put him up by yep. seven. And his explanation after the game was that he felt like they weren't playing hard defensively. And mm. like, he was 
telling him, <laughs> I think he made some comment like, I didn't tell it to him like this, but basically we're not a good enough offensive team to sustain this to win the game. Like we need to, to lock in defensively. Now, whether or not it worked, like I think Tulsa came down and got a bucket right out of the timeout. And, and obviously like <laughs> that seven point lead kind of evaporated, but at the end of the game, it was defense that did win it for him. And, you know, Brandon made the comment that like Keith said something in that huddle and he felt like the team locked in after that. So um, I, I guess in retrospect, they won the game and, and defense was key at the end. So maybe you have to say that it, that it did work. But yeah, for, his explanation was like he felt like they were slipping defensively and that they were they weren't going to be able to win that game if that kind of continued. And, and that was his reason for calling it. Gotcha. Yeah, because I'm watching. I'm like, okay, we've got good momentum, and he called it, and I'm like, what? What did I miss? What, what's what's going on? And I think he made a great point. There was something specific that he saw, and he wanted to address. So, um, no, that's good. So let's talk about that last uh, kind of the one of the last possessions there defensively when I think Mike Adams Woods he got the tip, and then Jeremiah in the press got it and laid it in. Um, I mean, that right there, I, I was completely shocked. I thought we were going to foul, and then they were going to go to the line, but um, chose not to, and I, I just I, that's, you know, arguably the, the play of the game. Yeah, I mean, if and he said, like, that their goal was to try and trap and, and see if you could get a steal, and, you know, they were, there was 18 seconds left, they were down one, so they knew no matter what, it was going to be a one-possession game, even if they – hit both free throws and, and they had enough time with 18 seconds left. So credit to Davenport and, and Micah for, for, you know, trapping without steal or without fouling and, and getting the steal. Uh, it was a great play by Micah. It was also a bad pass by that Rochelle guy from terrible uh, from Tulsa. I mean, it was just, I, I don't know if he like short armed it or, or what, but it was, he kind of tried to just loft it over Micah's head and Micah timed his jump really well, but it, you know, it wasn't a good pass. So, but you know, credit to them for, taking advantage of that mistake and then man like you know what we talked about with JD earlier like that that moment right there was you know just quintessential Jeremiah Davenport it would have been so easy to pull it out or kind of panic uh in that moment and like JD just didn't even think about it got the steal went right yep. to the rack you know and it was a tough layup like you know it was I think a good a good no call but you know he had to go into the, the guy's body who threw the inbound pass made a tough basket and uh yeah i mean it also just shows you if that goes differently like we're probably having a different conversation uh this this morning Mm -hmm. uh, about that game but credit to them like you know they made a big play when it counts and both those guys you know are are a big part of what this team does and it kind of showed up in in that moment and rarely do you see in, in those type of situations, rarely do you see a steal or, or tip like that on the actual pass. Uh, so I always remember this. When, when Coach Huggins would talk to us at practice when we would set up our press, he would always say when, when you trap that guy, most likely at that level of basketball, you don't get the steal from that guy kind of like re- the ball's being released like Mike Adams would and, he, and you tip it. It's when the ball's in the air and it's floating to that next offensive player when that other defender that we have that's not in the trap can run through and steal it. Like, that's where you normally get the steals at. You very rarely see what Micah Adams-Woods did, and, and I think it's to what you said earlier. It was a terrible pass. <laughs> like, that, that was like a high school – that very rarely do you see that happen. 
Um, yeah, and it wasn't even like that intensive a trap yet. I mean, I think Micah was kind of closing in, but he was there was some space, and that actually ended up being what got the steal because if he's right up in Rochelle's face, maybe Rochelle kind of jumps up and you know makes a, a more forceful, better pass. But instead, he kind of just short arm lofted it, and and like yeah, like you said, you know, Micah timed it really well, got the ball in the air, and uh, and good play by him too. Like he, you know, if you watch it, he control batted that right to Jeremiah. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't able he to grab it, but he knew what he was doing with it. Um, yep. And and yeah, it was you know obviously a the, the, the big moment. Yep. Well, let's talk about uh, Friday. Friday's game, 4 p.m. game. We're back home, uh, back in the Fifth Third Arena, versus Tulane. Uh, more fans there, right? How many fans do we? I believe expect? it's a uh, 1135. I think is the the exact number. Okay. Basically, like uh, 10% capacity. What What did we have before? Do you know what was 300. the capacity? 300. It's yeah. such bizarre. It's such bizarre times when I look up box scores of different games and I'm seeing like attendance 100. I'm just like, this is crazy. This is yeah. just bizarre. I can't wait for the day we're we're back to, you know, full capacity. But so, what does this Bearcat uh, team need to do uh, Friday to to beat Tulane? Yeah, I mean, look, like this is this is a team they beat before, right? So, uh, you know, they they went on the road and beat them. They kind of know what you're getting with them. Uh, Tulane, they're they're a pretty good defensive team. They're pretty dreadful uh, offensively. So um, I, I think it'll be an interesting matchup to see how offensively maybe UC uh, you know decides to attack them. But to me, it's like you just got to keep you know you got to basically take out the the Houston game of this stretch and keep doing all the things that were working for you during you know the, the four game win streak and then against Tulsa, which is like you know. Keith has to to be that distributor and you know command the, the defense in a good way. You need to get a little bit of balance. You need a guy like Mason coming in and spraying some threes in, in the first half, or you know someone off the bench giving you big buckets. Like we, we didn't talk about it, but that Mikey Saunders three late in the second half from the corner. Oh yeah, was a huge shot. So was that from you know, did Keith throw that pass there? Was that the one where that's I don't remember. He might have I think, though. Um, I thought he penetrated and kicked it out to him, but yeah, but yeah, that was that was big. That was definitely big. And that was so, and that was that was good that that Mike hit that three because I think even was it prior to he threw that horrible alley oop <laughs> was that was that before it was before that yeah that, that John was even mentioned like John even mentioned after the game that he like he threw a terrible pass trying to trying to get a Satari and he said like I don't know why I didn't take him out but basically I'm glad I didn't because then he, he came back down and hit that three you know not too long afterwards so. So, yeah, I mean, I I think you need to continue to have that, like, buy-in and, and engagement. And really this, you know, the end of the season right now for me is all about, like, pride and kind of getting that, that culture thing right. I mean, yeah, if they can start flowing on offense like they have it at, at a couple different points during that UCF game or even last night during the stretch in that Tulsa game, like, that's great. But they need to kind of get out of the just the general funk that has, has gone over the season. You know, in best-case scenario – they could actually finish 10 and five in the conference, which seems again, ridiculous and outrageous. Um, And that would be great if they do, but I just think more than anything, like whether it's winning the next four or just, you know, winning three of them or, you know, finishing the the season on a, on a positive note here and in the conference tournament by any means necessary. That's, that's what this last little stretch has to be about. Yeah. And I I think the fans and the team just really have to look one game at a time because it's, 
like I said, it's every game is a new episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It's like <laughs> you can only concentrate. There's no blueprint for, for the games. It's just focus in on that game, find a way to win, and most likely they'll win by one point on Friday. Right? <laughs> right? It's just it's just how it is. It would be great if they could, you know, get get a twelve to fifteen point lead, which like you said, you'd be you'd be blown away. I think we all would. We'd like what we want is we want some Sam Martin minutes without uh, a COVID rabbit like, <laughs> yeah. we, we want Sam Martin to play when they don't need him to play. You know That's what's what funny? I I text I text little Sammy before every every game. Um, I've known him since he played in my basketball program when he was a little guy. I mean he's he's little now, but he was really really. Well, funny story about Sam. I have to find this picture when he played. Uh, AU basketball for us. Um, his team, we had a mix-up on the uniform orders, and he had a couple kids on his team. There was a kid named Curtis Hoffman, uh, another kid named Josh went to St. X and Moeller, and they were they were bigger kids, and Sam was real little. So we actually messed up the order because Curtis and Josh were so big. We ordered the uh, like older kids uniforms for that team, so. Sam had to wear this like big uniform and it's, I mean, his shorts were like touching his shoes. The, the jerseys just like super bad. I have to find that picture of him. And now, and now to see him today, like, I mean, in fact, I love the fact that he's walked on to the basketball team and he's, he's had an opportunity to, 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 to get those minutes in the game. What game was it that he played? Um, It was the second game back. I think it was the Tulane game actually. Was it a two-lane game? I think so, because the Temple was the first game back, and I think he played in the next one. Okay, yep, because that was because it was at Tulane, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And he he played good. Mate took a charge, and he, he played. Yeah, he got a, a nice pass, assist. Assist to Tari. Um, but it was funny. I texted him before that game, and I said, uh, you know, good luck. And then he texted me after the game. He was like. Did either one of us know that I was even going to get in that game? Like he was shocked. Like he didn't even he didn't even know. So you're you're right. It would be nice to see him get get in when, and I hate to say this, but get in when walk-ons are supposed to get in. And that is <laughs> you're, like, you're allowed to say that, right? Like as a, right. as a walk-on. You can say this. I am. There's there's been, like I I played. We were in the Great Alaska Shootout, and uh, that was you know when we beat Duke. Um, Huggins was so angry. At uh, it was the first game we played like um, was it like Southern Idaho or somebody, um, and if we win that game, we then we play Iowa State who had Marcus Pfizer and then we would end up playing um, uh, Duke. But that first game, Hugs was so angry he benched everybody and put myself in and you know the bench guys in, and I, I'm telling you I was shocked like I was nervous it was the first half and and we really helped get the lead and help us uh, win that game. And it was kind of a lot like, you know, when coach benched and put, he put Banks in, he put uh, Martin in. Um, he, put, he had a lot of young guys in there and that helped yeah. that two lane game. Right. Isn't that right? Should I remember that right? Yeah, absolutely. A, yeah. So, but uh, Hey, listen, I want to, I do want to jump into uh um a list real quick, and I, I didn't prep you for this, um, but I'm sure you'll be able to knock this out very easily. But uh, once again, that segment was sponsored by the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Cincinnati. And 
what I want to ask you, I want you to give the Bearcat fans your top three favorite articles that you've ever written. And, and this will allow them to maybe, if they haven't already read it, to go back and read them. So what are the, what are the three top favorite articles that you've ever written? Oh man, I catch you. I catch you off guard. Sorry. Yeah, I just like this. Is, no, it's it's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, I I I did think the one about John Brandon and everything he went through with his dad last season, like that. That's yeah. just one of those stories that you know, I, I didn't know a lot of it before I, I reported it, and you know, it, it it a lot of that wasn't out there when you're going through it last season. So um, I was I appreciate the people opening up to me for that story, but also just kind of a reminder that, you know, you never know um, what, what people are, are going through. I wrote a yep. piece on uh, Trey Scott. It was actually his junior year. So like Nick's last year um, that, you know, just kind of a big feature on him. Cause even as a junior, he was really the, the voice of that team that season. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I really liked writing that piece on him. Now let me pick a, let me pick a football one. Um, I'll tell you what, I, and, and Trey Scott, we're seeing the value of Trey Scott more and more every game this year on how valuable he was last year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's like, that that is a perfect example of a guy who you just can't, you can't overvalue. Yes, because he had a really good statistical season last year, but what he did for that team from an emotional leadership standpoint, like, you know, you, you don't get a ton of guys like that um, mm-hmm. or you want to, you know, basically develop guys like that. So I'm I'm totally with you. I, this team looks a, a lot different if it, if it has, you know, him, him on this team this season. Um, what's a, what's a good one? You know, I, I liked the, the piece I wrote about, it wasn't. I wrote one immediately after when Fickle turned down Michigan State, but then a couple of days later, I kind of wrote almost like a TikTok of like how it that whole weekend went down when Michigan State was trying to get him, and um, you know there was all the like flight tracking stuff that was going on at that time. Uh, I think it was titled something like "Wanted Man," you know, uh, Luke Fickle turns down Michigan State, saves Cincinnati, something like that. Uh, I really liked that one because it was like this thing that people were really tracking in the moment, but then to go back and like point out some of the things that were true and false about it and also add a little bit of like information I had gotten after the fact. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, you know, just because of how intense people were on it in the moment, there was still so much going on. It felt like that people didn't realize. Um, and that I didn't realize in the moment until, you know, going back and talking to people. So that one, that one sticks out to me. Yeah. No, no good stuff. But you, you know, my, my favorite article you've ever done, right? <laughs> the Jordan one. Oh, of course, of course. That's your, that's your holy grail right there, man. That's your... <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased. I'm biased. You do understandable. You, you do great work. I know uh, a lot of the Bearcat fans um, enjoy reading your articles, enjoy your tweets, uh, and whenever I have you on, uh, the numbers are definitely extremely high. So, Bearcat fans, um, you know, value your. Uh, your breakdowns, man, and your opinion. So let's 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 keep it going. Let's hope we keep winning, and uh, we can get you can get you back on uh, as we get ready to make a big run in the conference tournament. I appreciate you having me on. I, if that's the way it all plays out, I'll I'll be I'll be happy to do so. Um, but no, I appreciate you you having me on, and I'll support for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Always appreciate you coming on the Bearcat Basketball Podcast, presented by the Healthcare Management Group. 
Hey, I'll let you get to work, man. You got to write some articles. I don't know what you got to write. Got to get to work. Got to get to work, my man. So appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll definitely catch up soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, Meech. Bye, Justin. Take care, buddy. I want to thank everyone for listening to season two of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Once again, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, Big Meach 41 And I'm now dancing on TikTok at Alex Meacham 41 I appreciate everyone listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats!